0: Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert, Seth Green, teach two things, how to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com slash connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another great uh, podcast with some exciting guests. We have experts from the fields of career, of college, and financial aid. I'm Maria Geffers,
2: and I am Tom Geffers. And as you know, our podcasts are uh, considered a resource for families and students around the country to uh, check in and see what uh, is of interest to them in certain subjects. And today, we have uh, Mark Johnson with us, who is his specialty is helping dental students and other medical uh, careers and repaying their college loans, which can be huge. Huge,
1: right. Mark is just shocking us with all of this information. Mark is the founder of uh, Student Loan Rx and wealth advisor with the RBF Wealth Advisors. Thank you so much, uh, Mark. We're so happy
3: that you're here. Thank you for having me today.
1: Great. We always start off our podcast with letting our listeners know a little bit about you. So can you tell us a little bit who you are, what you do, and what we our favorite is your aha moment, that this is where you wanted to spend y- your journey in. So oh. go ahead, Mark.
3: Great. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, nice to be with you. Uh, I grew up on a farm in uh, central Minnesota, and um, my high school wrestling coach got me uh, interested in investing and I always found it was a, uh, was a neat topic. So, I'm a wealth advisor and I kind of stumbled into the student loans thing uh, you know, here in, in the recent years, but um, I always enjoyed the idea or thought it was a neat idea that I could take some extra resources and, and invest in a company or invest in a, some type of an investment and have some other smart people grow my money for me while I was out doing something else. So, the, the whole idea of investing uh, was very intriguing to me. Growing up on a farm, you know, we plant seeds in the spring and then you'd harvest in the fall. So, the, so I saw that with crops and animals and all of those things, where you 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 make an investment uh, and then it grows into something much larger. And so, my high school yearbook said I was going to be a, a stockbroker, and and that's that's kind of where I we don't call us stockbrokers anymore, but 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 that's the career I I always knew that I wanted to be in. Um, with respect to the student loans, my aha moment came uh, about seven years ago. I got the opportunity to do an investment presentation uh, to a group of orthodontic residents here in St. Louis. We're based in St. Louis. And I went in there and talked about investing in basic financial planning topics like insurance and the importance of having a budget and you know, don't go buy a Lexus as soon as you graduate, you know, <laughs> basic, I would say, common sense financial planning items. Uh, and then, but I didn't mention the word student loans one time. I didn't know anything about student loans. And then several of them came up to me afterwards and said, we'd like to get together and talk about investing once we graduate. But did you know that we're graduating with between 400000 and $750,000 in student loan debt? And wow. I said, I said, what? They said, yes, 400 to 750. I said, well, certainly there must be an organization, perhaps the financial aid office at school, or maybe there's another company that that comes okay. in and helps you guys figure out how to, you know, repay all this student loan debt. And they said, eh, not really. We're up kind of left to our own to to figure this out. Hmm. And I said, well, I bet up at that point, I'd been in the financial services and The investment industry for about 20, 20 20-some years, and I said, "Well, there's got to be a company out there. Let, Let me see if I can find somebody to help you." And I started poking around. This was seven years ago, and I had a very, very difficult time finding a licensed wealth advisor who was had, you know, a portion of their practice focused on helping healthcare professionals repay student loan debt. And so. That was my aha moment, and that was the genesis of Student Loans Rx. And so we work with um, emerging healthcare professionals, mostly dental professionals, and that's simply because there's about 7,000 dental professionals that graduate every year. Um, certainly can't take care of all of them. Uh, we're <laughs> not a we're not a huge company, and so. Uh, but anyway, they dental professionals graduate with the most student loan debt, and so that's where the need has been the greatest. Uh, we also work with, you know, MDs and pharmacists and veterinarians and nurse practitioners. And my wife's a nurse. So, so I love the healthcare industry, but, uh, but it just so happens that, uh, we end up working with more dental professionals just because the need is greater. All right.
2: Those numbers are staggering, yeah. but, um, we deal with a lot of undergraduate students who, of course, take loans from, you know, direct student loans and parent plus loans. What are the type of loans that uh, the uh, medical field uh, uses for their uh, education?
3: So, obviously, uh, they've, they've all gone through undergrad uh, before they get into medical or dental school. And so the same loans that 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 you just referred to, so direct loans, they, they go to the, you know, they fill out the FAFSA with their parents, right? And they... They get a certain amount of aid, maybe there's some scholarships that are available through the school. Um, If there's insufficient funds provided through the financial aid process, then they have to go out and secure private loans, could be maybe Sally May or Discover. Um, I know parents that have, you know, taken a second mortgage out on their home. I know parents that have borrowed against their 401k balances. You know, oh. I don't generally recommend that, but uh, sometimes that's that's what needs to be done. Once they get into medical and or dental school, uh, there's some additional loans that are offered, so graduate plus loans. Uh, these are loans uh, for folks that go on to graduate school uh, to be a doctor or a dentist, etc. And um, but my, you know, the typical dentist today graduates with around three hundred thousand of student loan debt. And that's kind of the average, um, you know, we've got clients that range from, you know, 200,000 to if you can believe it, a million dollars in student wow. loan debt. Wow,
1: Wow! that is that <laughs> is staggering now and the, unbearable.
2: The uh, COVID uh, uh, pandemic has pushed back a lot of loans for students. They gave them forbearance, you know, six months in a year and they keep pushing it back. Has that happened with the loans for the uh, medical professionals as well?
3: it's the same same loans federal direct loans stafford loans all of those loans uh were turned off march 13 2020 president trump turned them off and president biden and the department of education has extended that relief through january 31st wow. of 2022 and and so uh they all they got up on tv and said that is the last extension and so uh the last two years of graduates 2020, 2021 have not had to do anything with their federal student loans in terms of repayment, right. uh, but you know everybody has to have kind of a plan in place come yes. February, come February first. Right,
2: right, right. But what What's the best time for the uh, to start planning for repayment of student loan debt?
3: Well, I think the best time is uh, when somebody contacts you guys to help them figure out if they're on the right path to begin with, right? <laughs> Uh, that would be so. I, I the, the the numbers are so staggering. When I tell people that you know I've got clients with five, six, seven hundred thousand in student loan debt, I mean, I mean, we live in the Midwest, so I don't exactly know what the median home price is, but it's it's three or four hundred thousand dollars at the most, right? So I mean, people are sending their kids to college and they're coming out of. Uh, school with more debt than you know the, the the value of the home they were raised in right. as an example. Right. So uh, I like to try to visit with. I mean, most of the clients that we work with are within a year of graduation, so they've already acquired the debt. Um, we don't do the type of counseling that you guys do. Um, if I do have parents that I'm working with, let's say I'm their investment advisor and they've got kids going off to college. You know, I try to encourage them to, well, depending on how early I meet them, I encourage them to start putting money in a 529 plan when the child is born, right, <laughs> to start saving some money for college and, and doing some other things like that. Um, you know, community college for the first two years can save a tremendous amount of money as opposed to going directly into a four-year college if, unless you have um, some scholarships. Um, you know, uh they changed the rules on student loans a number of years ago, where it used to be, you could only get money out for tuition and books. Okay. And, and, and now I I think if there, if there wasn't the federal student loan program that we had today, there wouldn't be the concept of spring break. Like we think of spring break today. I mean, when you, when you look at spring break, you see a bunch of 20 somethings on the beach, Right. you know, I, I have a hard time believing that their parents Uh, floated them all the money to go to spring break right (laughs) i mean uh, if it wasn't for the financial aid and the student loan program i think uh, the florida beaches would be a uh easier to walk down in march
1: unfortunately that seems to be you know we've run into some students personally who maxed out all their loans not finished college yet and they maxed them out on such trivial they didn't realize this is money that they have to repay. Somehow they thought in their minds that it was just free money. And so they're maxed out, no degree and uh, a a ton of debt, you know, and that's, that to me is criminal that we haven't, you know, kind of educated our our students that, you know, this is money you're going to have to pay.
3: Right. So, well, so that, that persists throughout our society and culture, right? So I've got the TV on in the background here, muted, obviously, during the podcast. But, you know, uh, they're talking today about the budget reconciliation and another several tr- few trillion dollars that they're just going to print, you know, uh, the US government's going to print. So it's, you know, while I understand, I agree with you that. Um, you know, the students that are coming out with these large amounts of, of student loan debt, first of all, I don't think they, they understand what two or $300,000 is. No, okay, no. That's, just, that's just a number, 20000 300000 you know, what's their point of reference? Um, they get very little, edu- you know, mm-hmm. we have very little education in high school about money. Um, you know, the cultural icons uh, of this generation you know, whoever they are, you know, you know, pop stars or whoever, I wouldn't yeah. say that they're financially responsible role models in many cases. And so it's, um, it's unfortunate. Um, and then the other thing is that there's no accountability. Parents really don't have the, the same level of authority or accountability um, in terms of managing these finances, you know. Right. And, you know, when you give you give a uh, an eighteen year old or a twenty two year old a checkbook with theoretically three four hundred thousand dollars or a credit card with three or four hundred thousand dollars of credit, they're going to use it. Right. Uh, it'd, right. be, it'd be a very unusual a very unusual student that is not going to max out the loans that they're that they're able to get.
2: Right. Right. So if I'm a, a dentist, I've been working for a year or two, and I'm saying so I can't get my head above water here. Mark, and he comes to talk to you, what is the first few things you're going to tell him or ask him to get uh, on track?
3: Sure. So the first thing that we do is I want to, I want to see their current finances. So I want to know their, their, their take-home income. And I have a very rudimentary um, Excel spreadsheet that I says, I want you to list all your expenses. And uh, I mean, every single one of them. So if you plan on going on vacation next year and you're going to spend $3,000, you know, we're going to put $260 a month on your budget. And so, so, so I want to know what their budget is. I want to see where they're spending money. Um, You know, eating out, I can find two or three places where I can save them usually a few hundred bucks a month. And then we try to, then we start talking about priorities. Okay. So what is the priority? Because. There's always competing financial interests at play. Um, do you have an emergency savings fund? So prior to COVID, and this has been, so I teach over the years, I've taught uh, the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class at, the, at my place of worship. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with yeah. kind of da- Dave Ramsey's program. But anyway, I, I generally agree with, I, I would say I'm a 75% uh, uh, in agreement with Dave on on things, but. But anyway, long story short, he has what he calls, you know, six month emergency savings fund. And I want people to get to that eventually. But my first hurdle that I like them to get to is three months of living expenses. And I try to help them put together a budget to get to that within 12 to 18 months of the start of their career. And I used to get some pushback on that because, you know, interest rates are so low right now and emergency savings. Uh, But then COVID hit. And a first or second year dentist was laid off in many cases for two oh. to three months. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so having that, so again, we're, you know, I want them to be, I want them to pay off their student loans as quickly and as efficiently as possible. But we have other things to discuss as well. So I first help them with a budget, put together a budget that makes sense that's going to include an emergency savings, probably a Roth IRA starting out, um, a little bit of money going into, you know, for retirement. And then let's take a look at your expenses you know and hopefully I catch them before they sign that two-year lease on a new Lexus
2: <laughs> hopefully <laughs> well,
3: before we went uh,
2: live on the podcast we were talking about the difference between doctors and dentists right. and how much money they make and how much they have to repay to their to their loans can you can you talk about that which is very very uh, fascinating to mm-hmm. me and I think most people don't know this
3: Sure so, I think the number, and I might be off a little bit on this, but I believe it's true that roughly 75% of dental students when they graduate go directly to their careers. And then there's about 25% that go on to some type of residency. So maybe to become an orthodontist or an oral surgeon or something like that. But with doctors, doctors, all of them, after they graduate from medical school, go on to some type of residency maybe they're going to be an internal medicine or a dermatologist or what have you and so while doctors are still you know residency is obviously still a form of school you know they're not fully out of their are their school years in residency they got a number of years you know a, a a resident going into perhaps internal medicine or something like that you know they might make anywhere from 60, dollars 80,000 a year depending on where they go. Um, and they're going to be doing that for several years. The other thing is that um, and you know uh, dental professionals uh, if they do a one-year residency, they might get paid $40,000. And so the, the income that a dentist or a dental professional receives in residency is much, much lower than what a medical professional gets paid. So that's why medical professionals generally enter their careers with less student loan debt. The other thing is, is there's a program called Public Service Loan Forgiveness. And so Public Service Loan Forgiveness is a 10-year program. So either a dentist or a medical professional doctor, what have you, after they've graduated from dental school or medical school, while they're in residency, or if they go to work at a federally qualified health clinic, if they get enrolled in what's called an income-driven repayment plan, and they stay on that plan for 10 years while they're working for this qualified employer, essentially, they're making an interest-only payment over those years. Might be a little bit more than that towards the end when their income is higher, but essentially, they're making an interest-only payment, and at the end of those 10 years, whatever student loan balance is left over, is forgiven on a tax-free basis Hmm. Hmm. okay Okay. and so i i think it's close to 50 percent of doctors mds go to work or are in in a residency program of one of these qualified institutions sure sure so great great benefit and
2: we never really think about that but you know they're just pushing back the the time to pay the loan and they're making money at the same time which is uh you know a good deal for them, obviously. Yes. that Dentists don't have that um, that ability to do that. Well,
3: they don't. They don't have the resident. They don't have the seven years of residency. Dennis. Right. Dennis can still sign up, and I have a number of clients that are signed up for public service loan forgiveness. Right. right. Okay. Yeah.
2: What What's the biggest mistake that you see uh, with repayment of the people you speak to?
3: So I would say that. Um, there are probably tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars spent by financial organizations to encourage graduates to refinance their student loans. So their student loans were provided to them um, essentially by the Department of Education, right? Federal direct, direct student loans. Today, let's say the average interest rate on those loans for somebody graduating today is probably six and a quarter, six and a half percent, which is pretty high given that interest rates, mm. right. you know, for other things you know, are much, much lower. So if I have a client who is making $150,000, $200,000 as a healthcare professional, and they have three or 400,000 in student loans, we can probably go find a private lender who will refinance that six and a quarter, six and a half percent student loan today for under 4%. So then why wouldn't you do that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is that when you, so I, to answer your question, I think that many folks just focus on the interest rate and refinance their student loans too early. Because one of the things about the federal program is if you, There's a number of different repayment options within the federal program. One of them in particular offers an interest subsidy. So for a qualifying individual, Uncle Sam will basically eat half of your interest on one of the income driven repayment plans, which is called revised pay as you earn. So I think people do not spend enough time understanding the the nuances Mm of each of the federal repayment programs. Now, most of my clients will eventually refinance their student loans, but usually within the first, I would say, one to three years, sometimes four years, it's likely better to keep your loans in the federal program Now we have to keep an eye on interest rates but it's it's generally better to keep your loans in the federal program for the first year or two out of school until you get settled in your career Mm -hmm. because once you pull your loans out of the federal program you basically have a mortgage payment for 15 or 20 years Mm
2: right
3: i mean there's no forgiveness programs like everybody in the last since march of last 2020 whoever had federal student loans has not had any interest accrual nor have they had to make any payments anybody uh, that had anybody that had private loans they've had to make their payments and in interest whether they had a job or not right
1: mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's very, um, very scary for me to think about, you know, students going in for dental, you know, pursuing that dental profession and not having any advice. That is really not knowing, just keeping on, you know, accruing these, these debts. And yeah. all of a sudden it's like, yeah. wow. So they really do need someone to help them like you to kind of figure out what's going on what was your biggest challenge or what is your biggest challenge, Mark, that you seem to, you face? Uh,
3: the biggest challenge, um, I I would say is getting in front of as many people as possible, because I think, you know, there's just, let's just say in the dental space, there's 7,000 graduates each year. Obviously, you know, we only get a, get in front of a fraction of those people. So that's why I'm, I'm very always interested in in um, being interviewed on a podcast like yours because sure. you know the you know our reach gets out there a little bit more but um, you know there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there as well uh, the internet on every topic yeah. has yes. yes. as misinformation I think one of the challenges is that um, there are some there's a philosophy um, that's out there that it sounds very appealing is, you know, make the lowest payment possible, make the lowest payment possible for as long as possible and invest the difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I've been in the investment business for 30 years. So if I thought that was a great idea, I'd be all over it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am not an advocate for people, you know, Repaying their student loans over a 20 or 25 year period of time that turns a $400,000 education into an $800,000 education. All
1: right, right, right. So that, that's really scary. I mean, we all, unfortunately, with the internet, everyone is going to Mr. Google, you know, for information instead of going to professionals, qualified professionals, to actually help them walk through get that budget and uh, really stick to it. You know, it, it requires that, that grit. How do you stay uh, current in your business? Because as our business, you know, college admissions and careers, always changing. You know, it's always whoever is, you know, the color of the month, if you will, or the flavor of the month. How do you stay current?
3: So, you know, I receive, you know, specifically in the student loan area, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on the Department of Education website, uh, which could be an entire career in and of itself, uh, just <laughs> trying, trying to understand, yeah. um, you know, what they're putting out. But, you know, as of right now in the United States, the bulk of college is paid for uh, through the financial aid system that we have in place right now, like it or not. Right. And right. so I, I try to stay on top of, you know, you know what programs are out there there's there's always um you know stuff in congress you know are they going to forgive some student loans are they not i don't get too caught up in that until it's actually been passed mm-hmm. uh, by con by congress and signed into law like for example the last couple of years i've had people that have wanted to pay down student loan debt they've got the resources to do it but they're still kind of holding out for some mass you know, forgiveness. I said, Hey, you haven't had any student, you haven't had any interest for almost two years on, you know, on $400,000. That's like $50,000 of forgiveness. That's pretty good.
2: (laughs) Good. Good. Well, before we close, I want to thank you Mark for all of the great information you shared with us today a lot of stuff we didn't know. And I'm sure it's a lot of stuff that parents and students are not aware of as well. Is there anything that we have not touched on that you wanna speak about before we close?
3: I think, you know, we've done a good job. I just would encourage, you know, parents and students to, you know, put together a financial plan and to look at, uh, you know, what, what is the potential of, you know, the career path that they're they're on. And, you know, sometimes I find, you know, I do get calls from other fields. I I primarily work in the healthcare space at the doctor level, but I do get calls sometimes from parents or from, from a graduate who graduated with a, I don't know, a humanities degree from a very prestigious school and they've got a couple hundred thousand dollars or so in student loans and, you know, the first year salary for them is, you know, $40,000 or something. And I'm like, well, why did you accumulate $200,000? You know, for for a career path where you, you know, are going to start out making maybe 30 or $40,000. That seems there seems to be a disconnect there. Yes, yes. So I think that, you know, people should look at their, their college experience as an investment. Mm -hmm. And they need to calculate in any any reasonable investment advisor is going to try to anticipate a return on investment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, right. so I would just be careful, you know, getting that art history major at Harvard, uh, you know, that's gonna cost you, you know, three or four hundred thousand dollars. And then you start out teaching, you know, eighth grade art <laughs> history, eighth grade art history. Now, again, nothing wrong with art history majors. I love both art and history and uh, but I think you have to, you have to sit down and, right. and, and here's the thing, an 18, a 19, a 20-year-old is not going to be able to sit down and calculate the ROI on that. Right. They, need, right. they need folks like you. They need their parents to step up and be parents again right. Um, right. and say, you know, we need to think this out and make sure this really makes sense for your future because I've got a, I've got a visit uh, tomorrow with a chiropractor who's graduated three or four years ago and whose um, student loans are $150,000 higher than the day she graduated. Wow. Um, because wow. she's been on, a, been on a payment plan that maybe wasn't the right plan to be on. We'll see. Right. Well, that's one of the first things
2: we do when we talk to our clients is uh, once we find the uh, major in career, we, we look at a five-year and 10-year growth for that career and what the uh, income is right. for that career and how it's gonna grow. And, and, you know, that, that's very important in, right. in deciding their career. So, you know, uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, is what you do as well. And um, if someone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way to do that?
3: Sure. So our website is uh, studentloans, so plural, studentloansrx.com. They could also uh, send us an email at uh, studentloansrx at rbfadvisors.net. Uh, you could also call us at uh, 314-997-1652. That's uh, 314-997-1652 and ask for me, Mark Johnson. And uh, we also do offer a free 30-minute consultation. So if they go to our website, studentloansrx.com, click on the free consult button, the top it's on the home page. it's all over is click on that free consult, we'll provide a free 30 minute consultation. So I welcome both the student and the parent uh, to be on that call because I think it's extremely important um, that the uh, student continue to receive hopefully good encouragement and advice from from the adults that that know what $300,000 really right, is. Right, right.
1: I mean, you know, we see that right now, but uh, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. And I know our audience has learned a lot as Tom and I have staggering amount of money, you know, just kind of being thrown around as if it was nothing. But we do appreciate you coming in. And uh, to our listeners, we will see you next week with another great uh, expert. I'm Maria Geffers.
2: And I am Tom Geffers.
1: And we are from Career and College Counselors. And again, thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. My
3: pleasure. Thank you.